Welcome to another sermon podcast from All Souls Anglican Church, Cherry Hill, New Jersey. Thanks for joining us as we study God's Word together. These weekly sermons are part of the teaching ministry of our church. Have your Bible ready as we begin this week's sermon. And stay tuned when we finish at the end to find out more about us. I remember several years back during the Christmas season, my foster sister was visiting us and she gave me a present. I unwrapped it to find a beautifully framed picture with these words, a messy kitchen is a happy kitchen and this kitchen is delirious. Those who know me know how much I love to cook and create in the kitchen. Not only does the dish have to taste good, but it has to look good. And in order to create some dishes, I use a lot of different tools, bowls, hands, ingredients. So when I'm done, the kitchen is often deliriously messy. And my dear wife usually reminds me three or more times in the process to please clean up as you go. It makes it so much easier at the end. Our passage before us in 1 Thessalonians 4, the Apostle Paul begins to sum up his first letter to the Thessalonian church writing, Finally then, brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you have received from us how you ought to walk and to please God just as you are doing, that you do so more and more. In the collect which we read just a few moments ago for the second Sunday in Lent frames the passage nicely for us, and it reads, Almighty God, who seest that we have no power of ourselves to help ourselves, Keep us both outwardly in our bodies and inwardly in our souls that we may be defended from all adversities which may happen to the body and from all evil thoughts which may assault and hurt the soul. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The Collect reminds us, as does this passage that we serve in all-seeing God, who knows our deepest and most private and hidden thoughts and actions, and the prayer acknowledges that we are a broken and a messy people who cannot of our own will or power do anything to help ourselves. It is an acknowledgement and realization that God sees me in my brokenness, and he sees my sinful self, the messy person that I am, In our modern-day terminology, we might even say, he sees what a hot mess I am. So having established our condition, we then offer our request and ask that the Almighty God, through the ministry of the Holy Spirit, keep us both outwardly in our bodies and inwardly in our souls from adversities and evil thoughts that can and do damage each of us. 
St. Peter bears this out in his first epistle when he writes to his readers, be sober-minded, be watchful, your adversary the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. In our reading today, which Joel so graciously read, the Apostle Paul exhorts the church at Thessalonica in the opening eight verses of chapter four. St. Paul picks up on this same theme when he warns us of the adverse consequences of ignoring the godly instructions that we have been charged with as Christians and how we should walk and conduct ourselves in a world which is diametrically opposed to the gospel of Jesus Christ. There is a real danger of allowing our fleshly lusts to express or articulate themselves and to be given voice in both our physical lives as well as within our inner thought life and the resulting harm that it poses to our eternal souls. In the world in which we live today, we are surrounded by and live in what has been described as a post-Christian society that is at war with the gospel, the same gospel which instructs us how to live in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is the good news of Christ, and it's in direct conflict, you might even say, a head-on collision with our world, the world which urges us to live for ourselves, for our own passions and pleasure, to live for what makes us feel good. As the book of Judges says, everyone does what is right in their own eyes. Our world today is very much like the world in which the Apostle Paul encountered in his missionary journeys to Asia Minor. It is a world which knows not our Lord, just as in the days when Paul wrote his letter to the church at Thessalonica. The apostle begins the chapter by saying, we beseech you, brethren. You could translate or perhaps expound on that by saying, I plead with you, as a personal favor, I implore you, I beg you, by our Lord Jesus Christ, that as you have been instructed and taught, as I, the apostle, have modeled for you how we ought to walk and please God. And then in verse 2, he continues by saying, you already know what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus. And then the apostle Paul carefully lists these instructions for his readers in the following verses. First, the apostle says, for this is the will of God, even your sanctification. This is the, the apostle's call to personal holiness in the life of the believer. Sanctification, Greek word hegemos, which means holiness, means to sanctify, therefore means to make holy. In one sense, only God is holy. God is separate, he is distinct and other. And no human being shares or can hope to share the holiness of God's essential nature. There is one God, 
Yet scripture speaks about us touching holy things. Moreover, God calls his children to be holy and live holy as he is holy. That's borne out in Leviticus chapter 11, in Matthew chapter 5, in 1 Peter chapter 1. Another word for a holy person is a saint, meaning a sanctified one. The opposite of sanctified is profane. So Paul says, firstly, this is God's plan for us as believers, that we become more like our Heavenly Father in holiness of life, in sanctification, the process by which we become the men and women of God, reflecting his image to a lost world. Secondly, Paul commands the church at Thessalonica that you should abstain from fornication. The Greek word used here is pornania, meaning sexual impurity or immorality, the concept being the selling off or surrendering of sexual purity. It is from this Greek word that we get our English word for pornography in what was arguably the very first council of the early church. St. Luke records in Acts chapter 15, the apostles of our Lord Jesus writing to Gentile believers scattered across Asia Minor over the issue of whether as new believers they had to conform to the Jewish law. And this first council of the new church wrote, for it has seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us, the apostles and fathers gathered together in Jerusalem to lay on you no greater burden than these requirements, that you abstain from what has been sacrificed to idols and from blood and from what has been strangled and from sexual immorality. If you keep yourselves from these, you will do well. A classmate of mine in seminary, the Reverend Bart Gingrich, writing for the Gospel Coalition, recently wrote, every human institution and society has its own list of sins and virtues that contradict the law of God. With the rise of the millennial generation in evangelical churches, a vice is creeping up into the realms of acceptance or perhaps indifference, or it may be perhaps resignation to fornication, extramarital sex, or unchaste living. Unfortunately, sexual impurity is not a rare occurrence among those of us who claim to honor and promote the authority of Holy Scripture. Over the course of the past few years, we have seen numerous instances of nationally known and respected leaders having to step down from the gospel ministry due to failures in these areas. One of the most recent this past fall in our own city of Philadelphia. The issue that St. Paul is addressing to the church in Thessalonica a seaport town which borders the Aegean Sea are many of the same issues he addressed to the church in Corinth as well as the church in Ephesus. 
both of them seaport towns with all the vice and sexual permissiveness of a modern-day New Orleans, Amsterdam, or Las Vegas. Paul says, each of us, me and you, that we need to know how to order and control our bodies in holiness and honor, not in the depravity of lust, which is how the world lives, which does not know or acknowledge God. We as Christians are called to be different than, than the world around us, which is lost and separated from God. And while we are called to live different and live lives of holiness unto God, we're also at the same time called to love the unlovely and to never forget that Christ died for our neighbors, our co-workers, and our friends, and he calls us as believers to magnify and live before them in such a way that they know that Christ loved them and gave himself for them. Thirdly, Paul writes that no man is to defraud his brother. Paul then goes on and says that we are not to defraud or take unfair advantage of our brother. Rather, as believers, we are to know how to control our own bodies in both holiness and honor. Remember, these were Greek believers that Paul was writing to at the church in Thessalonica. And they had grown up in a seaport town that was where immorality was rampant. The New King James Version translates this particular verse this way, that each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor. What Paul is telling us is that in order to avoid these sins of the flesh, men and women should know how to possess their bodies in sanctification and holiness. Lest today we erroneously think that this is somehow not important or something that we do not need to worry about, Paul describes the enormity of this sin of defrauding our fellow man by saying, the Lord is the avenger of all such. Literally, the Lord will make this matter right as we have solemnly warned you. And Paul concludes the passage by reminding them that God has not called us unto uncleanness, but unto holiness. He therefore that despises this teaching despises not man, but despises God, who hath also given unto us his Holy Spirit. As I began to meditate on this passage, memories from my childhood came to mind. As a young boy, I remember my parents purchased a vinyl LP recording. That tells you my age. By the remarkable storyteller, Ethel Barrett, telling the story of John Bunyan's classic, The Holy War, the battle for the town of Mansoul, which he published in 1682. Although not as well known as Bunyan's other work, A Pilgrim's Progress, 
The holy war is told by Ethel Barrett brought Bunyan's characters to life in this classic audio version. Bunyan's work is timeless and it is as relevant today as it was three and a half centuries ago. Let me briefly rehearse it with you this afternoon. There was once a great town, the town of Mansoul, that was built by the great King Shaddai for his glory and for his delight. But there was also an evil prince by the name of Diabolus. Diabolus comes one day to the walls of the town of Mansoul and deceives the town people to believe that they are indeed in bondage to the great king Shaddai. And he offers them the ability to do as they will, when they will, to live as they will, however they will. And in his clever deception, the town falls. Immediately, the town's three leaders, Lord Understanding, Lord Conscience, and Lord Innocence, are made helpless. Their understanding is darkened, their conscience has been deceived, and their innocence lost. And unknown to any of them, they and the town of Mansoul are actually in bondage to the evil Diabolus. But in Bunyan's allegory, on the day that Mansoul fell, Prince Emmanuel, the son of the great King Shaddai, comes into the court of the great king and promises to pay the price for Mansoul's sin and ransom or buy them back. So having paid the price, Prince Emmanuel comes with his great army and after a fierce and a long battle, he defeats Diabolus and takes possession of the town. Just as Prince Emmanuel does for each of us when we come by faith to our Lord and we believe the good news that Christ Jesus has come into the world to save sinners we are baptized into his death and resurrection. The story is not over, though, even though Prince Emmanuel has retaken control of the town, Diabolonians are still out there, lurking, hiding in the shadows. Lord Lust, Lord Pride, Lord Haughty, Lord Anger. And the list goes on and on. And the town must search out each and every Diabolonian and put them to death. It is through the power of the Lord High Secretary, who has been sent to the town to be their guide, that they are able to actually put to death these Diabolonians. And even though Prince Emmanuel has won the battle, there is the continued need for the Mansolians to be diligent and to resist and fight the continued attempts of the evil Diabolus and Diabolonians that hover and remain in their midst to try to recover and control Mansoul. It is the story of the Christian life it is the story of my life, and it is the story of your life. 
During this Lenten season, I once again invite you to a holy Lent by self-examination and repentance, by prayer, fasting, and almsgiving, and by reading and meditating on God's holy word. The good news of the gospel is this. There is forgiveness, there is cleansing, and renewal available to each of us when we confess our sins. We have a loving Lord Jesus who desires not the death of a sinner, but that he may repent and believe. It is why the comfortable words in the service of Holy Communion are so meaningful, and we will hear them next week. Having corporately confessed our sins, we hear these words. Hear what comfortable and sweet words our Savior Christ saith unto all who truly turn to him. Come unto me all that travail and are heavy laden, and I will refresh you. So God loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son to the end that all who believe in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Hear also what St. Paul says. This is a true saying and worthy of all men to be received that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And hear also what St. John saith. If any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and he is the propitiation of the complete and total satisfaction for our sins. And so, as we prayed earlier this evening, Almighty God, who seest that we have no power of ourselves to help ourselves, keep us both outwardly and in our bodies and inwardly in our souls, that we may be defended from all adversities which may happen to the body, from all evil thoughts which may assault and hurt the soul, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Thank you for listening. You can find out more about us by going to our website, allsoulsnj.org. There, you can support our mission by making a one-time donation or starting a podcast member subscription by clicking the Support the Show link under the Contact Us tab. You can also support us in prayer by clicking the Email Newsletter tab at the top. All Souls Anglican Church. Simple Church. Ancient Truth. Real People. New Life.